Hi. So I'm, I'm just finishing these turkey stuffing balls. That I'm not turkey balls. Yeah, you're just balls, finishing so. getting the balls out of your mouth. You actually got them out quite quick. I can't believe how quickly you went from they, not they, they melted them. in my mouth very nicely. The magic of mm, balls. Supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, um, our topic today is West Virginia. I don't know how that relates. Really no, I don't know. No, Speaking of salty balls, it's West Virginia time. West Virginia, right? That's all I really know about West Virginia is the Mothman prophecies yeah. and that song that John Denver sang. No, maybe he didn't sing that song. I don't know. It was a really annoying dance song that was around. Country road, take me home. I hated it. It was on all the time at the dancing. Yeah. It is John Denver, you're right. It is. It's a good song. It gets you up dancing. See, I don't know why. Doesn't because, get me up dancing. Because he's called John Denver, I think he's from Denver. That makes logical sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe his ancestors were, and that's why. Maybe his ancestors were the founders of Denver. Yeah. But um, that doesn't have anything to do with West Virginia. <laughs> Does anyone, you've got a pal that lives in West Virginia. You don't need to name her, Yaz. Yeah. You actually know someone who lives in West Virginia. I wonder if we've got any listeners in West Virginia. If we do. Hi. Hi. What's it like living in West Virginia? Don't tell us because we're doing West Virginia this week. So we'll never (laughs) talk about what you tell us. Virginia, not West Virginia, but I'm not sure. I think, actually. Well, there is a... Few different Virginias, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> That's how so many Virginias. There's actually 14 states that are in Virginia. Seriously? Yep, that's a USA fact for you. Oh. I feel like because the people moved over to the states, like back in the day, when they were like reconnecting. It's, um, it's nicknamed. Oh, sorry, yes. Oh. What were you saying? No, there? Okay. I was just saying when they moved over to. I like how you stopped when I said raping Indians. <laughs> I got your attention. I didn't even hear you say raping Indians. Oh my god. <laughs> I think you might need to put your volume up slightly, Leslie, because I enjoyed that. I could quite clearly hear what you had to say. And then you were just like, anyway, I'm going to talk now. I am a bit deaf. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I'm all those Indians that were raped. I really apologise. It's so boring now. It was just when the Brits kind of moved over to America. Of course. When they were raping the Indians back then. (laughs) When they were raping the (laughs) Stealing their lives. Oh, my God. We are bad people. Yeah, I'm stealing their I will laughing. just point out that I'm not laughing. So, oh no, now I'm laughing. We're all bad people. I was laughing because yeah. it was the way you put it. They were just coming over while they were raping some, in, like, like they were on a boat. 
at the same time as raping Indians? No, no, they came over, stole right. the American land and stole it from the Indians and killed them and Thanksgiving is all the nonsense. Um, See, that's where, yeah, well, that's where facts. I bought into the propaganda because I always thought that the the natives and the the invaders, so to speak, were okay. friends and they helped each no. other out because the invaders were starving and the Indians said, nope. here, have some of our fresh bounty, but actually they gave them blankets with smallpox and thanks. And I think the bit about the Cherokee people, right. yeah, feeding them yeah. and helping them stay alive is true. It's just that yeah. then the white people weren't like, and now we're friends. They were like, and now that we've got <laughs> our health back, fuck you. Exactly. Um, and then they were, yeah, raped and pillaged shame. and murdered and their land stolen. And then, what the actual boring point was, then they just wandered around America naming everything after wherever they were from in the UK. So yes. there's so many like Birmingham's and like all this kind of thing. But where's Virginia come from? The Virgin It's from the Virgin Queen. Queen. So they yeah. called, the Virginias are called after her because they were like, yeah. which also makes no sense because they're like, let's leave Britain. We don't want to be under like her religious, her, her religious yeah, religious rule and then moved to America and are like, now that we've killed all these people, do you know who I think is really sound? <laughs> <laughs> that queen that we were like, fuck her, let's move. Maybe they meant it as like it's virgin lands that they're now going to rape. Maybe. I like that. That, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I think I like that one more. Thanks. Although, again, it wasn't virgin lands because there was already people that left there. Yeah, I know, but from the white people's point of view, it was virgin land for them to rape. Oh, God, this has gone dark. <laughs> well, it was the same as Christopher Columbus coming over to America and saying, Oh, I discovered America. And I was like, No, it's not people living there. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, lots of people were already living there. He didn't discover crap. Yeah, but no. I mean, from his point of view, he's saying he's the first person out, like, as a foreigner to discover America. Which also is Which was because bullshit because yeah. it was, there was other people from out with the Americas that had also previously discovered the Viking, it. It was Vikings that discovered yeah. it. Because oh. I'm sure that someone said when they landed in America, um, one of the Native Americans started talking away to them in like, English or something or Norwegian. I don't there know. There was stuff about how there was like, like Arab, um, even when Christopher Columbus arrived, like in his diary, it says that there was Arab trading ships there, that they of were course. already trading with people there. Uh-huh. But because they're brown, they don't count. Oh, right? God. Because they're not white, then it doesn't count. But, I mean, that is effectively what it is, because it's the same yeah. as when he was like, I've discovered this land, because even though there's people there, he's like, yeah, but they're brown people, so... They don't but Spanish are brown. They've got they're tans. Not. They're white, though. No, they're not. I'm not saying it's that they're not hot, Leslie. <laughs> they are hot enough to not be white, <laughs> but they still sadly are white. They're yeah. olive-skinned. It's because they've got like a lot of Arab blood mixed in them. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true because the Moors yeah. basically raped yeah. them. So basically, yeah, took them over. Yeah. But and they still get white privilege here. If you're one of our Hispanic <laughs> listeners in the Americas, then I'm not meaning to be shit to you because I'm aware that you actually are of proper mixed descent and class yeah. as your own race and not white. But European <laughs> Spanish people, although Yaz is right, and you're technically mixed North African, I know you class yourself as white and have white privilege. Yeah. Therefore, you're a dick. <laughs> Basically, and you still think you discovered me. <sighs> okay, yeah. well, so uh, the, it's known. It's known <laughs> so as fuck the everyone. Yeah, fuck it. It's known <laughs> as the Mountain State, West Virginia, because there's lots of what you say, Mark. Well, I don't know if you said it yet. It's got the Appalachian Mountains. Yes, I was saying that to you before. Maybe a lot yeah. of Scottish people settled there when they were forced from their homes by the English and the the Highland clearances. It yeah. wasn't a migration. As some people claim. No, it was a forced, my well, a forced 
eviction slash genocide. Yeah, replaced by sheep. So they were, they, I think they maybe settled in West Virginia because, like, it, it so was a lot I like of, like, this Scotland. whole episode so far just been us laughing about how shit people are. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what we intended this topic to be I about. I've got ghost stories in that. Not really people. Jenny, well, my ghost story is a bit fucked up. It doesn't involve rape, but it does involve murder. So mm. There's no rape in my story. Okay. There's a wee bit of rape in there. Oh, all right. <laughs> Although I have decided that the bit in um, that song we were talking about when he goes, Mountain Mama, that he might be talking about my story on the basis of nothing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to explain that any further. Apparently they've got, I mean, this is from Wikipedia, their motto is Montanae Semper Liberae, which to Latin speakers is mountaineers are always free. Uh, unless you're huh. a Native American, you're not free. Because you're not. <laughs> Is it also yeah. a southern state? Because I feel like. Uh, it's... No, I don't. No, okay. Kind of in the middle. It's, well, it's kind of. I don't know. It depends which way you look at it. I don't know how we're supposed to feel it's about the people west. in the middle. So. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Where are the southern it's, states? It's east coast, but I don't know. If... Yeah, I think it's in the Well, if it's bordered by Pennsylvania to the northeast, Maryland to the east and north, it's, yeah, Kentucky to the south. It's, it's sort of in the middle, yeah, I'd say. Mm. The capital and largest city is Charleston. Well, what side were they in the Civil that's, War? Yeah, that's all I wanted. That's okay. usually how you figure these things. <laughs> um, Wait, see the whole Confederate and Union, what does that mean? It was the only state to... The Confederates are the baddies. They're the racists, yeah. West Virginia was admitted to the Union on June 20th, 1863 uh, and was a key border state during the war. So they eventually became sound. Okay. It was the only state to form by separating from a Confederate state. So they were part of... A bigger Virginia, and they thought, "Fuck this, we're going to call ourselves West Virginia because we are." Oh well, now I've had a full turnaround on them. So basically, that (laughs) they came over. There were Virginia. There was people there that thought it was okay to rape and kill the Native Americans, and Mm. then the people that thought that wasn't sound. Eventually, when they could, were like, "Use all fuck off over there. We're not racist. You're cunts." Now, like them. Yeah, they abolished slavery slavery in 1865. They did have slaves, um, but most were yeoman farmers, and the delegates provided for the gradual abolition of slavery in the new state constitution. So, yeah, good for them. Okay, yeah, I'm Trying back to... to yeah. So they, they weren't complete arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> It's important so, to try to be good. It was the Americans were the nice guys. It was the British people that were the fuck on. I mean, came over. yeah, <laughs> probably the English British people. Let's be honest. Mm. Yeah, yeah. and Pennsylvania is quite close to where the Amish are, and the mm. Amish and the Quakers were very um, anti-slavery. Yeah, the and Quakers they also are helped people helped. Uh, runaway slaves escape via the Underground Railroad, which isn't actually a railway. It's just a, a road. It's just like a, a metaphorical term. Yeah, that, I mean, that's all. All good. I, I approve of all this stuff. Good guys. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot of history around West Virginia. We we could probably spend the whole podcast talking about, but we're focusing on like weird, weird West Virginia. Mm. So, who wants to have a go at that? Or Indiana, Indiana spinoff. Basically, (laughs) weird West Virginia. I mean, it's famous for the Mothman. Um, Leslie, I'm dying to hear your story. Oh, all right. There we go. That was an easy way to decide. I mean, I can't believe I came across this, but it was so bizarre. So this is, um, I found this on a website called the West Virginia Explorer magazine. And it says the full tale of West Virginia's remarkable Greenbrier ghost. Okay. Right. um, And this (laughs) took place in... Greenbrier County in 1897. So there's a guy called Edward S. Shue, you know, like Elizabeth Shue, the actress, like yes. the same surname as that. And he was convicted of murdering his wife, Zona Hester. Good name. Um, yeah. But he thought he would have got away with it if it wasn't for his Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> no, his meddling mother-in-law who claims that she saw her daughter appear to her four times as a ghost. I mean, Although his defence tried to make out it was just dreams that she was having. So I here think we go. that her mum knows the difference between a ghost and dreams. Well, she did testify that and to court. Right, so this is an account as it appeared in 1910. So that's quite a, well, not that long afterwards, you know, a few years. Yeah. So 1910, this is the account. So it says here, the state's case against this defendant, an apparent peaceable village blacksmith, so he was a blacksmith of the 1890s, was based entirely upon circumstantial evidence. So there was no actual physical evidence that he'd killed. I don't like that they're clearly biased against him and they're saying an apparently peaceable blacksmith. We all know blacksmiths and other men that are apparently peaceable <laughs> and actually they're wanks. So, <laughs> yeah. right from the word go, they can fuck they're off, I believe this goes. Excuse me, you haven't even started. <laughs> You're just writing this guy off. They can fuck off. <laughs> the evidence that was, in quotes, dreamed by Mrs. Shoe's aged mother while sleeping in her rustic home 14 miles, now bear that in mind, it's 14 miles away from the scene of the killing on the other side of Sewell Mountain. Well, ghosts can walk through mountains. I'm, <laughs> yeah. still, I'm still on the side of the mother-in-law. And both super fast. Yeah. So they've said, ghost stories are legends. Dreams have come down through the centuries, but little credence is given their visions. So they're, they're saying in this 1910 article that nobody really believes anyone that say that they've seen ghosts or seen things in dreams. Quite sceptical. But nobody has ever actually proved, with the possible exception of Mrs. Mary J. Heaster, mother of the slain Mrs. Shoe, that the also dead can come thing. back. <laughs> the dead can come back in some form and communicate with the living. Mrs. Hester, beyond any semblance of doubt, is an exception. So she's basically been vindicated in a court of law that ghosts are real and that on, on her evidence. She's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's know whether there's any other cases in, in, in the world where someone's been 
apart from maybe witch hunts and stuff, but I would just discount them. Yeah. Like recent times where someone's been maybe she was what? Yeah. No, maybe she was a bit like, oh well you can't prove they don't exist, so there. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Well, they've said, must they report Yellowfish age? Well, it's not that old. It was in 1910, and that took place in 1897. Anyway, this remarkable woman, the records reveal, had four separate and distinct dreams. No, she said that they weren't dreams. So they're dis- they're they're basically contradicting themselves in this article. They're also lying about what the record shows. The record shows that she saw a ghost four yeah, times. I'll, I'll, there's a transcript of what actually took place in the courtroom. In each of them, her daughter arose from the grave to tell and fetch and actually describe how she had been murdered. Fantastic is a poor description, but those dreams convicted Edward issue of murder in the first degree. In your face, Edward, you dick. When she first told of her dead daughter's visits, friendly neighbours and authorities slyly scoffed at the aged woman's accusations against her son-in-law. So they're like, are you fucking talking Slyly? Shit, bitch. Slyly? <laughs> <laughs> Had not a competent doctor examined Mrs. Shue when her body was found, pronouncing her dead of natural causes after all known methods of resuscitation applied in the presence of witnesses had failed. Surely then this grief-stricken mother was a victim of wild and fantastic dreams induced by a shocking loss. But Mrs. Heaster steadfastly insisted her daughter's visits were not the work of her imagination, were not dreams in any sense, but actual communications. Can't they're argue the signs. Well, they're saying that such beliefs and superstitions possibly were more rampant back in Mrs. Hester's day as opposed to the enlightened age of 1910. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, she had enlisted a number of followers to her cause. She had the neighbours over on the other side of the mountain had heard the strange story and recalled unusual incidents that occurred directly after the young woman had been found dead. Dismissed as of no consequence at the time, they now loomed big, casting a shadow of doubt over the sincerity of Shu, the village blacksmith. <laughs> God damn them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They're saying that Shu acted the most strange throughout the period immediately following his wife's death and preceding her burial. Now, this is He's a weird guilty. bit. Well, what do you mm-hmm. think? Guild Absolutely. He never Stop. left the head of his wife's coffin in the presence of mourning relatives or visiting neighbours when they came to pay their late last respect. So this guy was hovering over his wife's head in her coffin saying, don't you fucking look at that. Don't even touch it. Don't touch my wife's head. Because obviously he'd done something suspicious. to her head. Yeah, obviously. Oh, <laughs> and not something fun. No. <laughs> I don't know why he's so protective around her her head. It's a bit very suspicious, isn't it? Mm. Also, which again doesn't really help this guy. He, when she'd been found dead, when the doctor rushed to the house the day she'd been found, Mister Shu was already there holding her lifeless form tenderly in his arms. Not once during the physician's cursory examination did he relinquish, as in let go, of Mrs. Shu's head. He held it close to his chest while he cried in anguish and prayed that a spark of life might be resurrected in her stiffened, cold body. I was going to say that's not that weird until you said that it was her head that he was clutching. Because I get why he was clutching her body. 
Because yeah. it would be grief-stricken and wouldn't want her to be dead. Why would you hold on to her head? I don't get <laughs> why the doctor didn't insist on looking at her head, even if he was clutching on it. Yeah, like, how could the doctor fucking... examine her properly if he you had You know what he head? said? He said that he, she just died of... She just died of faint... Fainting? Fainting. <laughs> <laughs> she just fainted? Like, yeah, fainted to death, apparently. Sorry, her murderer husband said this, or the doctor said no, this. No, the doctor said, said it. Who... He said she died of fainting. That, yeah, that's not a thing. No. Well, according <laughs> to this guy, it is. It's just not a thing. Anyway, I'll skip that bit. Uh, oh, God. Right, so it says only one witness to events fall. This is in 1910, remember? I can't stress mm. that enough. Only one witness to events following the discovery of Mrs. Shrew's body and later the sensational trial is still living. He's obviously dead now, otherwise, he's like some sort of weird immortal guy. He could be a weird immortal guy. Remember yeah. that um, underground bunker that Yaz taught us about? Oh, yeah. Maybe he got admissions to there. Well, he might be a relation to me. He's called Anderson Jones. Oh, Anderson's hey. his first name. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, excuse the language in this article, but it was 1910, as I keep saying. And Anderson Jones, a respected Negro, this is their words, not mine, living okay. in Lewisburg. Jones can vividly recall the startling events. His recitation of the fantastic mystery is given ample corroboration by court records. Jones thinks he was about thinks he was about eleven years old because he's oh, maybe doesn't know his birthday. I don't know. Um, in November eighteen ninety six, when Shu married. Right. So wait a minute. So he was eleven years old in eighteen ninety six. So how old okay. would he be? How you're you're good at math, Jazz. How old would he be in nineteen ten? Four. So how is his memory so shit then? Nine in nineteen ten. And yeah. how old is the other one? He said he, he thinks he was about eleven in eighteen ninety six. Fourteen years. Different. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen. To be twenty five. Right. Okay. So I mean, why is he? confused about how old he was back then but then but... to be fair if I when you were 25 <laughs> or I was 25 when I was 25 when someone was like can you give us an exact description of this thing that happened when you were 11 I'd be like I'll give you a, an all right description of it like I was 11 okay yeah. well I'm trying to I'm just trying to discredit this I think witness. people don't you know what oh no hold on do I want this witness discredited <laughs> when Shu married Miss Zona Hester what a cool name Zona is in Z-O-N-A if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to call her Zona. I really Zona. like that. Um, she was from Meadow Bluff Zona. District at the old Meth. He was married. They were married at the old Methodist Church in Livesey's Mill. After the wedding, they took up residence in a small two-story frame building. That's turkey balls coming back up on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> which had been the residence of the late William G. Livesey, who gave the settlement. I don't see why that's relevant. So, Mr. Shu, who is a former resident of Pocahontas County, all right. I didn't know there was a Pocahontas County. Well, apparently there is, had come to Greenbrier a short time before the wedding to work for James Crookshanks at his blacksmith shop. A towering man of unknown strength, he presented a striking figure as he forged shoes before the flaming fire. It's very dramatic language, this article, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, get this. He was married... To two women previously, both of whom 
surprise, surprise, died suddenly. Did they this die? Is just like the staircase, it's exactly the same as the staircase. You always mention the staircase. I've never seen it. Oh, so you need to watch the documentary on it. I know I say that every time I mention it. It's so good. Right, right, okay. Except for the women who were rapidly murdered. The women who were rapidly murdered, it wasn't good for them. But as a murder mystery, good. So young miss, that's something you can relax to, yeah, since you like that kind of <laughs> Do you like a good murder story? <laughs> well, if you've not watched it, yeah, watch it. Like, you yeah, will love it. It's amazing. Anyway, sorry, Leslie, back so to... young miss Hester fell staircase. with this burly blacksmith shoe. And after a brief courtship, they were married... Their little home seemed complete with happiness. No one would ever suspect it was to end in tragedy. Mm-hmm. Apart from the people that maybe knew that he had previous wives. Yeah, I, say, <laughs> I was pals with one of his dead wives, so it would have probably mm. been like, that's probably going to end badly seeing as he murdered. It would have been better if one of his dead wives grasped him up and told Mrs. Drew, by the way, this guy murdered me, so maybe watch out. They should have came back as ghosts. Yeah, yeah they should have. Didn't have the same idea as Mrs. Shue did. During the first days of January 1897, Mrs. Shue fell ill. For several weeks, she was under the care of a Dr. G.M. Knapp. Shue appeared very attentive to his bride's needs, giving no cause for suspicion of what was in his mind. Early on the morning of January 22nd, he appeared at the cabin of Aunt Martha Jones. Oh, right, this is like, you know, like Aunt Jemima, you know, that kind of thing. I was yeah, going to say, kind of aunt, like she's everyone's auntie, or aunt, like I don't know, it was a aunt, like aunt and Dick. You know, like you get no, you know, no. <laughs> yes, he was a mother. He was a mother, he was the mother of Anderson, so the Negro boy. So you know, you had get like Uncle Tom. Oh, so this is like Uncle auntie. Ben or yeah. aunt, not Uncle Tom, Uncle Ben's rice and Aunt yeah. Jemima. It's kind of that kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> so he asked if the boy could go to his house. This is the, like Mr. Shoe said that. Could could he go to my house and attend some chores for Mrs. Shoe? Not in a slavery way, but, you know, just help her out. Well, Shaking his green head, Jones clearly recalled <laughs> that memorable day. Well, he's, his green head is, he's going great, 25. <laughs> maybe life was really hard back then. I suppose yeah. life was harsh back then, maybe. <laughs> And it might he depend did. on like his hair colour. Sometimes people with like really dark hair, his hair starts going grey when they are in like their mid. To be fair, yeah, our French yeah. wiggy went completely grey at like twenty two. Yeah. So, yeah, she had grey when we were at school. Yeah. no, did she? Yeah, she did. Always have a couple of greys in like yeah. it's four, five, six. Yeah. I don't know if that was due to stress or it was just a genetic thing. Oh. Well. So it was a. <laughs> Oh my goodness, right. I really shouldn't do the accent. No, I won't. No, don't. Goes, no, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> that will be wrong. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> this is Anderson Jones, right? He said, I can remember it well. It was a Saturday. Mammy, <laughs> this is his words. <laughs> Mammy yeah. told Mr. Shoe I had to go to Dr. Knapp's first and finish some work there. He seemed to resent this but asked if I would go later in the day. Four times he came back to the house for me. Each time I was busy. About 1pm he came again and I agreed to run his errand. So he's like, fuck that off, mate. I don't want to go. wife over. murderer behaviour. Yeah, but he's constantly saying, can you, can, you go to, can you go to my wife's house? Please, please, can you go to my wife's house? Um, it, so he, he said, all right, I'll go to the house. I felt that something was wrong. 
All of the doors were closed and there was an air about the place I did not like. Reaching the steps, I saw a trail of blood. That scared me. I went to the door and knocked. No one answered. I tried it and finding the door unlocked, walked into the kitchen. The trail of blood continued across the floor to the dining room. This door too was closed. Once more, I knocked and getting no answer, walked in. I stumbled over Mrs. Shoe's body. There she was, stretched out on the floor, looking right up at me through wide open eyes. She seemed to be laughing. The same one that died of fainting. There's some other one. Yeah, yeah, this is Mrs. Shoes. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, how did the doctor explain her blood being all over the house and garden? No, this was a boy. This was Anderson. This was. No, but that's what I mean. Surely, when the doctor, the physician came, why why was there blood everywhere? Yeah, I don't get this as well because if you're breaking someone's neck, it wouldn't. You you're dislocating someone's neck. They don't bleed, do they? From the I don't inside. know, I've never dislocated my neck. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like breaking a bone, like there's no blood. Damn, I didn't trap him. <laughs> but there wouldn't be blood in other bits of the house, regardless. I mean, if she broke her neck and the bone came through her neck, there wouldn't be blood in the front garden and up the steps. So stuff. are you saying that Anderson's a fucking liar? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. All right. Hold on, is Anderson the blacksmith? Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm no, no, he's not. He's a black boy. No, I believe him. Yeah, we well, believe he's, about, he's seen the blood. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, if he saw the blood, which I believe him, that was there, then why, <laughs> why the fuck is the doctor saying, "Oh, she's just it. fallen and like fainted and died"? Because how the fuck did her blood get everywhere then? All over the house. It's not even. Right, the well, let me read on. Okay. So he said, okay. I'm very angry. I was frightened, but I was still able to reach down and shake her. That's tampering with the body and the evidence, as far as I'm concerned. Well, he was eleven, <laughs> <laughs> and he just went to death with me. I she think was, we can let him off. She was stiff and cold, running from the house. I called across the field to Aunt Martha. Mrs. Shoe is dead. As she ran to the house, I went down the road for Mr. Shoe, finding him at the blacksmith shop with Charles Tapscott. Don't know who he is. When I told him what I had found, he let out a yell and with Mr. Tapscott started for the house. I continued on to get Dr. Knapp. When we reached the house, Shoe had taken his wife from the floor, placed her on the bed and was holding her head in his arms, crying for her to come back. But strangest of all, although no one thought of it at the time, he addressed Mrs. Shoe, placing one of those old fashioned high stiff collars around her neck and holding it in place with some kind of scarf. Yeah, he broke her neck. <laughs> he beat her up in the garden. She tried to get away up the steps. He chased her. Oh, that's interesting. Attacked her again. And then when he got to the top of the steps, he broke her neck. Right. Quite clearly. Okay, we'll 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 look round back to that theory, Mark, when I get to her testimony her own testimony, because okay. she tells her mother exactly how he murdered her. Ooh, okay. See if you're right. Dr. Knapp immediately started an investigation to determine if Mrs. Shoe was still alive. I think she's dead, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this doctor's a fucking competent idiot. Throughout yeah, his she's efforts. Had the 11-year-old boy carry out the medical. <laughs> he seems the only one that's not an absolute twat so far. <laughs> Throughout his efforts to revive the woman, Shu continued to hold her head, refusing to let him examine it. Finally, the doctor turned and said, It is an everlasting faint. Her heart has failed. Right, oh mate? my God. So it is, even up. despite all the blood, he's still saying it's fainting. Well, he's not fainting. So I don't know about that. The next morning, Mrs. Shu's body, accompanied by her husband and several neighbours, was taken over the mountain to Mrs. Heaster's home. 
on Monday, she was buried in the little family graveyard high up on the side of the mountain. In the interim before the funeral, Shu never once left his dead wife's side in the presence of others. When not at the coffin, he permitted no one else to go near it, not even her mother, taking his place at the head of the corpse. He guarded it closely, yeah. Very (laughs) suspicious. In addition, he he placed a folded sheet on one side of his wife's head and some nondescript garment on the other. They served to keep it in an upright position so that her head didn't loll about like a fucking... Mm -hmm. Broken. I mean, this is the clearest case of murder ever. Whether yeah, it's well, stung up or not, he should still have gone to jail. Right, this is where it gets weird. This is the supernatural part. So several days after the funeral, Mrs. Heaster was awakened from her slumber by a noise in the little cabin room. She startled. She recalled constant prayers since her daughter's death. So she was always praying um, after her daughter died, seeking the real solution to it. Maybe they were about to be answered. Peering through the darkened room, Mrs. Heaster made out an object. It was her daughter, dressed in the very dress she had died in. The young girl seemed about to speak, but when her mother reached out her hand, seeking the coffin, the girl disappeared. Now, that bit confused me. Why was she looking for a coffin? So later on, she said that I just expected that dead people just got about in their (laughs) coffins in the afterlife. (laughs) <laughs> so you better choose a few <laughs> can I That's so random yes I mean if that was true you'd want a fucking decent coffin not some shit one <laughs> I know I just, that's really weird to me agreed um, oh I've lost my place Right, well, what do you think about that? All right, here we go. So the next night, Mrs. Heaster resumed her prayers, praying long and earnestly that her daughter would return again to explain her death. Once more, they were answered. Mrs. Shue talked more freely, giving her mother to understand that she should be acquainted with the whole mysterious affair. A third visit was followed by a fourth before the murdered woman told her mother the entire circumstances surrounding her death. Maybe she just had to gather up her strength to Mm. gradually tell her eventually. Or maybe yeah. her mum kept screaming, where's your coffin? And she was like, I'm trying to tell you something important. <laughs> Shut up about my coffin for two minutes. So securing the knowledge that her son-in-law was a murderer, Mrs. Heaster set out to trap him. At first, it was not easy. Neighbours listened a little sadly to the unusual story, but merely shook their heads. She's a mad old bat. Authorities offered little additional comfort. Several days later, Johnson, he- Johnson Heaster, a brother-in-law, Satisfied that the story had some foundation to it, went over the mountain to Livesey's Mill to talk with Shu. Their conversation further aroused his suspicions. Then, after talking with Anderson Jones and others who'd been present at the house with his niece when his niece's body was found, the uncle was convinced the girl was a victim of foul play. Together, Mr. Keister and his sister-in-law went to Lewisburg for a conference with prosecuting attorney John A. Preston, one of the most brilliant lawyers of his day. Good for him. Preston already had heard of the weird stories which had spread across the country like wildfire so they're all like saying oh this mad old bitch thinks she's seen her daughter and all this so it got about people are gossips aren't they they are especially you know in country towns where everyone knows each other but he gave little credence to it now this girl's mother was before him sincere in her efforts to trap a murderer firm in the belief that what she had to tell was true. Her brother-in-law was also there to add to suspicions gathered from the neighbours. For several hours, the three conversed. When they concluded the meeting, Preston started the wheels of justice moving towards one of the strangest, <laughs> most fantastic murder trials ever held. Yay. So first, 
He questioned Dr. Knapp, the idiot doctor. Yep. <laughs> or whether they've called him as a kindly old physician. How old oh, was it? There we go. That's his problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he admitted his verdict of heart failure as the cause of Mrs. Shoe's death could be wrong. You don't think? Oh she had been ailing, but circumstances. <laughs> In my head, he's like, well, now that you mention it, her head was hanging off and the entire house and garden was covered in blood. So it may or may not have been the faint. Who's to say? Small possibility. <laughs> he said, he said um, both agreed to an autopsy. Would Why did they not do an autopsy before she was buried? I don't understand. Maybe don't it was know. different. Yeah, you know, it was different back then. Um. So, and if not, the examination would at least serve to relieve the aching heart of a saddened mother and throw undue suspicion from the shoulders of Shoe. So the next day, they all went up to Livesey's Mill, informed Mr. Shoe of their plans and ordered him to accompany them over to the mountain to his wife's grave. In addition, they took Aunt Martha and little Anderson along. Shoe vigorously protested. <laughs> what a lovely day out. <laughs> they took a picnic and they had a great time. Shu vigorously protested against such an action. Mr. Shu, I suggest you shut the fuck up, but dared not refuse to accompany the little investigating party. Throughout the long journey, he kept muttering, I don't know what in the name of God they're taking her up for. They're not going to find anything. Oh, but he was wrong. He sounds a bit like Fred West. Reaching the mountain grave, Preston ordered several neighbours to exhume. What? So the neighbours had to exhume the body of Mrs. Shu. This is a very you would get WWE superstar the Undertaker and some <laughs> cemetery dudes. You totally get the cemetery dudes. So in 1910, <laughs> they've said such an action, of all commonplace today, had never been heard of in Greenbrier. What? <laughs> Exhuming bodies is quite commonplace in 20, like 10, 1910. Okay, so it was the first exhumation in Greenbrier County. So it was only after a considerable argument and threats of arrest that Preston had succeeded in having the coffin raised from the grave and carried up the road to the schoolhouse. So Dr Knapp then, why are they getting Dr Knapp to perform the autopsy? He's a fucking idiot. First, so he searched for poison. The first place you would look is her head. What are you doing, mate? The physician searched for poison but found no trace of it. For three days and nights, he worked over the body, oh seeking a cause of death. Is he an actual idiot? <laughs> During that time, Mr. He Shoe... had her body on one trolley, her head on another <laughs> trolley, and was like, what could have led to this woman's death? <laughs> so Mr. Shoe was visibly nervous, but maintaining his innocence, he sat in a large packing box, whittling it with his knife. Anderson Jones was <laughs> the here The actions of an time. innocent man. He's going to stab this box. <laughs> on the third day Dr Knapp was about to give up when he made a startling discovery that had been predicted by Mrs Heaster Joan said Dr Knapp was working around Mrs Shoe's head I could see Shoe was getting more nervous his whittling was not so good she's <laughs> <laughs> whittling with shit so that means he's guilty I mean Obviously, if you're, if you're well and shit, then you must not acquit. That's <laughs> <laughs> the OJ Simpson. Oh <laughs> if you're well and shit, you must not <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, 
suddenly the doctor turned to Mr. Preston. They whispered together for a few minutes, and Mr. Preston turned to Shu and said, Well, Shu, we have found your wife's neck to be broken. Oh, Shu's head dropped. God. A change came over him that I can't explain, but it certainly proved his guilt to me. <laughs> again, there's no physical evidence he did it. Mrs. Shu's body was placed once more in the grave. It's revenge complete. Shu was placed under arrest by Sheriff Hill Nickel. The Forestys started back um, with him to his home at Livesey's Mill. So arriving at the house the next day, Shu seemed in brighter spirits and offered the party breakfast. When they accepted, he cooked the meal himself, then announced he was ready to go to jail. (laughs) Is that normal, to get breakfast off someone that's about to, like... Yeah, I don't don't get that. Why would you accept breakfast off What? (laughs) So weird. It's like the cops came round to you and you're like you're being arrested for murder. How about have some whippets, some pancakes? Oh, we before we go? As well. oh my god. Right, so I'll just skip to the, the case here. Oh, oh I have to mention that the prosecute prosecuting attorney Preston and his assistant Henry Gilmer spent several months seeking additional evidence against you, both feeding the testimony of Mrs. Hester would not convict a prisoner. In the meantime, Shu obtained Dr. William Rucker and James P.D. Gardner to defend him. Gardner, a Negro attorney, was the first of his race ever to practice in the county court. So he's equal opportunities, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what his stance on women's rights are. But Probably not good. What with the, all the women he's murdered? Well, they weren't proved. It wasn't proven that he murdered those women. It was just they just died and mysterious. That because the same GP came to look at them. Yeah, like butcher knife sticking out one of their faces, and he was like, "I she think died. she became a little too dizzy." What <laughs> about <laughs> blood loss? No, <laughs> she must have fell under the knife. <laughs> faint. You wouldn't even have noticed the knife. You'd be like, she must yeah. have fell. And somebody else would be like, onto the knife. The knife? What the knife? The case came before the court on the 30th of June. The little courtroom still used today was taxed to capacity by neighbours from both sides of Sewell Mountain. Some came to testify. Others came to hear Mrs. Heaster's recital of her dreams. A little difficulty was encountered and she's curing a jury. I don't know why I'm going into that voice, but I think it's funny. Within an hour, the trial was on. In his opening argument, Preston told the jury that the state's case against you was entirely circumstantial, but the evidence was such as had never been presented in any court before. He laid stress upon the fact that the dream testimony to be presented would prove beyond doubt to be authentic and informed the jurors he could prove it. Dr. Knapp was the first witness called. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> he told of conducting the post-mortem examination and finding Mrs. Shue's death had resulted from a broken neck dislocated so perfectly that it escaped his observation for three days. At the I same time... have a licence. Like yeah, I don't think he does. <laughs> At the same time, the physician pointed out that the break was su- such a nature that it could not have been done by Mrs. Shu in a suicide attempt, so she didn't break her own neck. Okay. Oh, cool. Wow. Glad we established that. Yeah. He further disclosed there was absolutely no evidence of how she had subjected herself to any sort of violence. The physician declared he made the usual examination when Mrs. Shu was found dead and had pronounced her demise due to heart failure only after Shu had refused to relinquish his wife's head, requesting Which wasn't him. Which was suspicious at all. No. 
<laughs> requesting him to make no examination of it. Anderson Jones testified to the defendant's repeated efforts to get him to go to the house and see if his wife wanted anything. Then Jones told of finding the body. Other witnesses stated that Shu was the only person seen about or known to have been in the house that morning prior to the time his wife had been found dead. Others told how he assisted in dressing Mrs. Shu and in doing so placed a high stiff collar around her neck. Then he added a large veil, several times folded and tied in a large bow under the chin around the collar. Other witnesses related how the victim's head did appear to be very loose at the neck and when not supported, dropped from side to side. You'd think that would be something this doctor naturally yeah. noticed. <laughs> That's proper ridiculous. Oh my God. Other people said that he failed to show proper appreciation of the loss he'd sustained. One testified that when Shu had been summoned to the post-mortem and inquest over at Seoul, the defendant cleared he knew he would come back under arrest, but he knew they couldn't prove him guilty of the murder. So then they brought up the aged mother was called to the stand. I feel like now I'm really, I'm intrigued to hear the ghost testimony. I'm right, confused I'm like we can't possibly charge him yet. It quite clearly is him. He quite clearly murdered his wife and his wife before that and his wife before that. Well, his defence um, has said that uh, her Mrs. Heaster's dreams would make them far too fantastic for any jury to believe, so merely traced him lightly with his star witness. Oh, that's the prosecutor, actually. He further realised defence attorneys would make every effort to break down the startling testimony. Then his case would be won, just as Mrs. Heaster had won him over from his own efforts to break her story down as one of a vivid imagination. Dr. Rucker, defence counsel, lost no time in getting at the dreams. Unaware of their full significance, he endeavoured to blast them out of the courtroom as a start for his defence. At this point, the story can be better appreciated by the testimony found in the Lewisburg court records. So here we go. So this is the defence defense counsel. Rucker. Mrs. Heaster, did you not have a dream that aroused your suspicions to lead you to have the body exhumed? Heaster. I had no dream, for I was as fully awake as I am at this moment. Rucker. And did you not have a dream or vision that led you to have the body disinterred? Well, I was not satisfied that my daughter came to her death from natural causes. So I prayed that it might be revealed to me how she died. After about an hour spent in prayer, I turned over and there stood my daughter. I put my hand out to feel the coffin, but it was not there. <laughs> she seemed to hesitate to speak to me, then departed. The next night... After I prayed again, the manner of her death might be shown. She appeared and talked more freely, giving me to understand that I should be acquainted with the whole matter. The third night, she appeared again and disclosed more to me. And on the fourth night, she returned and told me all about the difficulty, how it occurred and how it was brought about. So here's what Zona Hester told her mother, Mark. Okay. He came that night from the shop and seemed angry. I told him supper was ready, and he began to chide me because I had prepared no meat. I replied, there was plenty, bread and butter, applesauce, preserves, and other things that made a good supper. He flew into a rage, got up and came toward me. When I raised up, he seized each side of my head with his hands, and by a sudden wrench, dislocated my neck. Uh, yep. That's what happened. <laughs> 
That ghost is an honest ghost. Mrs. Hester continued the remainder of her answer. Then my daughter went on to describe the home where she lived and surroundings in the neighborhoods so that it was fixed in my mind as a reality. When I later described it for people living near there, they told me that they could not have been more accurate themselves. And she told me I could look back of Aunt Martha Jones in the meadow in a rocky place, that I could look in the cellar behind a loose plank and see. Her house was a square log house, hewed right up to the square. And she said for me to look at the right-hand side of the door as you go in and in the right-hand corner. Well, I saw the place exactly as she told me, and I saw blood there, she told me. <laughs> that means... That's quite good. The yeah, defense, Mr. Rocker. Now, Mrs. Hester, this sad affair was particularly impressed upon your mind, and there was not a moment during your waking hours that you did not dwell upon it? No, sir, and there is not yet either. And this was not a dream founded upon your distressed condition of mind? No, sir, it was not a dream. I was wide awake as I ever was. (laughs) The defence. Then, if not a dream or dreams, what do you call it? I prayed to the Lord she might come back and tell me what happened. And I prayed she might come herself and tell on him. As in, you grass him up. <laughs> do you actually, do you think you actually saw your daughter in flesh and blood? Hester. Yes, sir, I do. I told them the very dress she was wearing when she was murdered. When she was about to leave the room, she turned her head completely around and looked at me like she wanted me to know all about it. And the very next time she came back and told me all about it. The first time she came, she seemed as if she did not want to tell me as much as afterward. The last night she came, she told me she had done everything she could. And I'm satisfied she did all that, too. Defense. Now, Mrs. Heaster, don't you know these visions, as you term or describe them, were nothing more or less than four dreams founded upon your distress? I like this woman. She goes, no, I don't know it. The Lord sent her to tell me it. I was the only friend she knew she could tell, put any confidence in. I was the nearest one to her. She gave me a ring he pretended she wanted me to have, but I don't know what dead woman he might have taken off of. Maybe's previous wife. I wanted my daughter's own ring, but he would not let me have it. Mrs. Seastar, are you positively sure there were not four dreams? Yes, sir, they were not dreams. I do not dream when I am wide awake, to be sure, and I know I saw her right there before me. Are you not considerably superstitious? No, sir, I am not. I was never that way before, and I'm not now. Do you believe in the scripture? Yes, sir, I have no reason not to believe in them. And do you believe the scripture contains the word of God and his son? Yes, sir, I do. Don't you believe it? Good comeback. Rocker says, now, I would like, if I could, to get you to say these were four dreams and not visions or appearances of your daughter in flesh and blood. Hester, if I'm going to say that, I'm going to (laughs) lie. Rocker, then you insist your daughter actually appeared in flesh and blood before you on four different occasions. Yes, sir. She did not have any other conversation with you other than the matter of her death? Yes, sir. Some other little things. Some things I've forgotten. Just a few words. I just wanted the particulars about her death, and I got them. When she came, did you touch her? 
Yes, sir. I got up on my elbows and reached out a little further as I wanted to see if people came in their coffins. I leaned up and made a light. I wanted to see if there was a coffin, but there was not. She was just like she was when she left this world. It was just after I had gone to bed. I wanted her to come and talk to me, and she did. This was before the inquest, and I told my neighbors. They said she was exactly as I told them she was. Have you ever seen the premises where your daughter lived before these visits? No, sir, I had not. But I found them exactly as she told me they were and never laid eyes on after her death. She told me all of this before I knew anything about the building at all. How long was it after you had those interviews with your daughter until you did see the buildings? It must have been a month or more after the examination. You said your daughter told you that down by the fence in a rocky place you would find something. She said for me to look there, but she didn't say I would find anything just for me to look there. <laughs> did she tell you what to look for? <laughs> no, sir, she did not. I was so glad to see her. I forgot to ask. <laughs> All of this seems perfectly reasonable. Like, Rucker, have you examined yeah. the police tents? Yes, sir. We looked at the fence a little, but we didn't find anything. Okay, um, I'm taking up so much time with this. So she spent nearly an entire day on the witness stand seeking to build a defence for himself. Oh, Mr. Shu did. He talked at great length and was very minute in particular in describing unimportant events, but denied practically everything testified to by the other witnesses. He entered a positive denial of the charge against him, terming the prosecution's spite work. In closing, he vehemently protested his innocent, calling on God to witness. Again, that is the words of somebody that like murders multiple <laughs> wives. Like you, you random people I've never met before are only thinking I'm guilty because you're spiteful against me. Like, <laughs> yep, nut job. So he did admit that he'd served a term in the penitentiary. He declared he loved his late wife dearly and appealed to members of the jury to look what into his... What other two late wives? Nobody gives a shit about them, partly. Nobody looked in yet. He told the jury to look into his eyes and then say if he was guilty, but this man's testimony and his desperate efforts failed to sway the jury, but it made a most unfavourable impression. So great did the state's case appear against him that Mr Dennis, editor of the Greenbrier Independent, wrote in his paper, There is no middle ground for the jury to take. The verdict inevitably must be for murder in the first degree or for an acquittal. After lengthy arguments of the evidence by counsel for both the state and defendant, his case was given to the jury. Uh, they solemnly filed from the room to perform their duty, returning within an hour with the verdict of murder in the first degree, but recommending life imprisonment. So they weren't monsters. No, nice jury. Well, I say that, but um, later on, the, um, the 12-man jury, many spectators in the courtroom did not see an eye for an eye in regards to the proper verdict. Many persons not connected with the trial expressing the opinion that the death penalty should have been imposed. So rumours of mob violence grew. Sentiment crystallised. On the Sunday following Shu's conviction, a small mob gathered at the Meadow Bluff campgrounds for the purpose of taking the prisoner from his cell in the county jail and hanging him. So they wanted a luncheon, basically. <laughs> they loved a luncheon back then. Shoe's fate, the mob decreed, should be the same had he judged and carried out for his innocent wife, death by a broken neck. At 10 o'clock, they gathered at the rendezvous, eight miles from Lewisburg. One man, however, decided his neighbours were making a terrible mistake. He was George M. Hara. 
Hearing of the plan, Hurrah mounted his horse and hurried to the house of Sheriff Nicol at Meadow Bluff. Both men started for Lewisburg to protect the prisoner, but to reach there had to pass the campground. Somebody in the mob recognised the sheriff as he sped down the road, passed the grounds on his horse. Several would-be lynchers gave chase. They captured the two men at the point of pistols. Sheriff Nicol drew his gun and was about to fire, despite overwhelming odds when he recognised the assailant. Deciding to kill the gunman, even at the cost of his own life, the sheriff tried moral persuasion. Mob leaders went with him to the nearby home of D.A. Dwyer. There, after a considerable argument, Sheriff Nicol won his point. The mob disbanded, giving him the new stout rope with which they had planned to carry out the hanging of Shoe. Two days elapsed before Shoe was removed to Moundsville Penitentiary to serve the remainder of his life. He died there eight years later. That will teach him. And that's the end of that yeah. story. Bravo. So basically it was just a story about how an old woman seen her dead daughter and her dead daughter grasped him up because the doctor yeah. was too stupid yeah. to find her broken neck. Sometimes you need a ghost to solve a very obvious mystery if you've got a shit doctor. I always don't want to investigate the doctor. He sounds like he's dodgy. He's he's a bit of shit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if the jury's going to believe the testimony of a, a dead woman to convict, <laughs> I suspect that they would believe um, the very convincing the testimony says. of a dead woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're, you're convinced that that was enough to condemn a man to life imprisonment, even though there was no evidence that he actually wrung her neck? Do you think that she actually appeared before her yes. mum? Yes, is my answer to all those things. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the ghost story even matters. Like, I feel like everything else was like, yeah, he obviously did it. Yeah. But they tried to hide it and dress her and like keep her head up and all that. Like, guilty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely guilty. I suppose. Yeah, and the fact that her mother lived 14 miles away and could describe her dead daughter's like dress yeah. and, and the ghost was the exact same dress mm-hmm. that she was found in. That's mm. weird. Yeah. Maybe she only had two dresses though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> when she was buried, didn't know she was waiting. That's pretty weird. Still. I, it's the only story that I've come across where someone's been convicted of murder by the ghost of their murder victim. If only the women from Jack the Ripper could have come oh, to yeah. what that happened. That would be pretty And I've spent nearly an hour talking about this. I'm so sorry. I've taken up okay, so much. Really it was <laughs> so interesting. interesting. I know. I love the whole like play part of it. <laughs> like, so does that mean that... Thank you. So does that mean I deserve like an Emmy or an Oscar for that, I think? I feel like this whole episode could have just been that. Yeah. yeah. And we could just finish here. <laughs> I'd love to see that turned into a movie. I know. Would you? I think yeah. Cool, like the staircase, you're saying like maybe a documentary yeah. studio? Yeah. I feel like you should be cast into the film though as well. It's only fair. So that should be the old lady. Oh, you, oh my God, you actually should. Join yeah, the old lady or the the old lady or the daughter? I want to be the ghost daughter. Ooh. You mean to go star? Yeah, as you can be the dog star. <laughs> I was going to be the wee black boy. Okay. You might be the wee black boy. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I want to be the shit doctor. <laughs> All right. I'm happy to. Yeah. I'm just going to like totally mess her magoo up. How? Like, how? Wash my face into the wall and be like, but there isn't even a room here to look for a corpse in. <laughs> so oh, that's that how right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is how you have to talk. 
does that mean in that county in West Virginia that in law people can be put in prison based on mm-hmm. testimony of dead people? Because they would use so. that as a, an example of what's mm-hmm. acceptable. Mm, maybe. Then anyone could have a stupid dream. So. Or not yeah, actually. They, not the yeah, but not everyone thing. can. Yeah, but it's. <laughs> You'd still, even the ghost would at least have to have some sort of credible story to back up, like mm-hmm. some evidence to back it up. At least she did. Okay. She said, look, dig me up and you'll see that my neck's broken. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You'd have to have evidence. <laughs> well, let's link this to, like, say they didn't believe the woman. Um, so does that mean that they would they would probably cart her away to the Nina's Lunatic Asylum? Oh my god! Because <laughs> if ten people Flawless. in the asylum for fucking less shit than that, that that's a very good joining method. <laughs> so, um, the the trans I actually don't want to pronounce this by the trans Alethony Lunatic Asylum uh, in West Virginia is one of the sort of the ones that's most famous for having like really inhumane conditions and like absolute violence and being extremely haunted as well. Um, so it opened in 1864. Um, and it, do you know what's weird? It only closed down in 1994, which like literally within our yeah, lifetime, really, which yeah. is a lot of these old asylums close quite late on. Like huh? for, in Scotland, like Gartloch Asylum, yeah. that was closed fairly recently. I think in really? like yeah in the 90s maybe. I don't I find that really disturbing because like also we know all these like horrible things that used to happen in these insane asylums and like couldn't be closed within our lifetime just seems wrong to me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so this hospital originally when it was opened up, um, there was a dude called Thomas Kirkbride, and he basically had this like the Kirkbride plans where he opened quite quite a few hospitals and they were meant to be more um like innovative so like they were all made like really really long um sort of corridors and wings loads and loads of big windows to let lots of sunlight and fresh air and they were meant to make it as if it was like an actual therapeutic place for um yeah they, they always start like, off that way and then uh, it gradually yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, this place, like, if you actually look at the building, it looks absolutely beautiful. It's out in the beautiful countryside. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it looks like a pure country club that you go play golfing in or something. It looks really pretty. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so it opened in 1864. Um, it was only ever meant to hold 250 people in it. Um, so the first patient, as that's what you're talking about, the first patient to be brought in or to be admitted in October um, was a housewife who had domestic trouble. What? So basically, that exactly? she was just she had a husband. Yeah, she's apparently a hysterical woman. I was just like, you're fucking kidding me. That's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, like when they looked at the first logbook, all the reasons that people were admitted into this hospital, there was reasons like... Um, Grief, uh, yeah. congestion of the brain, feebleness of intellect, seduction, novel reading. So you, you just reading, <laughs> you reading would get you like um, admitted into the hospital. Um, one, so this was the, her. This is what there, made her hysterical. Was these oh, okay. There's one um, that just said the war. I guess that the means war. war. <laughs> so. Yeah, because oh, it would have been quite close to yeah. it. And the Civil War was in 1861, so it was sort of still... This was literally the year after the war ended. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, I imagine other... there'd be a lot of men who survived the war like they did in World War One, where they've got severe yeah. shell shock, but they didn't quite understand that, so they just said it was yeah. the war. Yeah, okay. which which I could understand people going to like PTSD or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, so her reasons were all like grief, uh, seduction, novel reading. So basically she was a woman. Novel grief, reason? But, novel yeah, reading. That was one of the re- reasons that this woman got uh, admitted for. Um, oh my God. Seduction, which is, yeah. Um, but I mean, other people that got admitted, their reasons were like really ridiculous, like laziness, religious How be in there? <laughs> <laughs> So many reasons why I would be in that. I would be in that lunatic. As we well. actually all would hundred percent be in there. Um, religious yeah. enthusiasm, menopause, religious enthusiasm. Fire, 
um, they like lost. Yeah, like, I don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, fair dues. Like it's horrible. Asylum ended up having over two thousand um, patients oh, in it. So it was like two hundred and fifty to two over two thousand poor bastards. Some of which are crazy. probably being bumped there by their husbands or wives yeah, because they couldn't be bothered with them instead of a divorce. Uh-huh. And then even yeah. the reasons why people were getting dumped in, the reasons were growing as well. So if you're epileptic, if you're an alcoholic, if you're a drug addict, if you're just not educated, you would what? end up in there. So now you're basically throwing criminals in the mix as well. Oh. So you can imagine it was just getting worse and worse. Um, the, like, a, like one of the newspapers had kind of caught wind of how bad it was and done an expose about like the poor sanitation. Like, there wasn't enough furniture, there wasn't enough beds. There's no proper lighting. People are sleeping on the floor, like sort of really like dirty toilets, dirty like kitchens, like everything was just really, really manky. So again, even if there was nothing wrong with you, you 100% would have went insane. Like, yeah. I feel like there's people like in solitary confinement, people getting like chained to walls and empty rooms. I don't know like, much about un- America, the American healthcare system other than yeah. that it's, it's private. Time that you have to pay for it. Mm. I don't know how much regulation there are in like mental health facilities unless it's privately run. Or is there no like body of like what they called to to check on these things to make sure that this isn't going or to stop it? I don't think there would have been, but as well, if you think about it, this is where you're getting rid of like the dregs of society or anyone that's a bit of a a nuisance. So who's gonna like who cares? At that point, I can't believe it was just um, horrible. Just yeah. yeah, that's what shocks me. Um, so some of the medical practices were like um, ice paths, exclusion like cells, electroshock therapy, lobotomies. Um, these some of these numbers are horrific. Like, you know, the, there's the ice pick lobotomies where they. Like, oh yeah, that that that, that was just a quack that made that up. Was it even a trained surgeon? He just decided that it would be quicker to shove an ice pick up someone's in someone's it's eye. Insane. And most of the people who he did it to didn't survive. Of course not. Um, so there's apparently one of the doctors they had um, around about the 50s. Every two weeks, he'd be doing over 200 lobotomies. Oh, Every two weeks. And I'm like, that's insane. Um, they eventually have to build like a massive, uh, there's like a, a graveyard there as well now because oh. so many people just ended up dying. Not just from that, from a lot of things. Um, so I'm assuming that this place is haunted as fuck yeah. then? Lots, lots of haunted stories from all these people. Um, the overcrowding, like there was patients were turning so violent. There was like cases where like patients would turn on each other and try to kill each other. So there's one story of two patients tried to hang one of the other ones. Like they wrapped him up in bed, she tried to hang on. He didn't die. So then they pulled him down, put him under one of the like the middle bed frames and jumped on the bed till they like crushed oh, his head. God. Oh my god. Like, I don't even understand how that whole entire thing could have happened and no one walked in at any point. No one stopped them. Nobody did anything. Like, it's horrific. Um, I'm even, assuming the uh, people did that were like, crim- like criminally, criminally insane or were they just so mad? By yeah. I don't know why you would do yeah. it. I mean, even the staff as well, they would be getting attacked on duty. Um, some of them were raped, some of them were like beaten up. One of the nurses went missing and they found her like murdered at the bottom of the staircase two God. months after she went missing. Like that's how crazy it is. I mean that doesn't even make any sense. That's mental. Yeah. <laughs> it's just absolutely mad. Um And the building's so, yeah. still there. 
the building's still there, so you can um, go for like so it was bought over like in two thousand seven or something like that, and you can go for like ghost tours and stuff. So, um, or you can actually spend the night there as well. Uh, so yeah, like the way as yeah, two thousand seven was bought over, you can go on ghost um, ghost hunts. Um, so there's lots of obviously after all that horrificness, obviously there's a million like horror stories and hauntings and it's like um, people that were patients. There's there's like a nurse that people see a lot. Um, there's people like soldiers from Civil War as well that people see sometimes. I wonder um, if all these people from different years, like these, if they're ghosts there. Um, mm-hmm. I know Mark, you hundred percent probably believe that. There are ghosts mingling yeah. about. Yeah. Do they see each other from, like, say, a Civil War soldier sees someone from the 1980s? Or mm-hmm. are they stuck in their own sort of timelines and they don't actually mix? Can't, like, interact with each other. Yeah. Do ghosts interact with each other? Imagine the absolute hell that would be like <laughs> if you're all just stuck it's there. Kind of, like, loads and loads over, like, like that's a long time. Mm-hmm. It's mad. Um, apparently in Ward 2 on the second floor um, there was like a lot of violent events there um, there was a man that was stabbed 17 times by another patient um, two patients committed suicide by hanging themselves so loads loads of ghosts have been seen like in that particular part of the hospital and they've had like ghost hunters go in with the, what is that? the voice recording yeah um, they went in with like the, <laughs> the voice yeah um, I yeah, because that is call them like, EVP, EVPs. Uh, EVPs that's right. Yeah, I, I used to record EVPs with when oh. I hung around with Debbie, my best friend Debbie. Um, we captured quite a lot of weird oh, EVPs. I want to hear that stuff. One of them wished me happy birthday, which was nice. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. So apparently, if you take one of them to this floor, loads of people have heard um a voice saying "Get out." Um, mm. I their well, it's been horrific. Um, I yeah, yeah, people continue to go there. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> to torment yeah. them for dead people. They're like, get yeah. the fuck out. What are you doing coming in here? Or Shit. There's um, another floor where there's two patients try to hang another one. Um, again, there's a lot of hanging. Um, so I'll, the ghost of that guy that was hung, he haunts that floor. There's a guy called Big Jim who apparently Big wanders Jim. the floors. Um, there's a nurse called Elizabeth. That people see her a lot. Um, and then there's one floor which has got a little girl. So on the fourth floor is a little girl called Lily. And she sits in the, there's a room with like lots of toys in it. The, the toys are all still there. She's wearing a white dress. She's only nine years old. And she, um, people that came to visit have seen like toys moving around on their own. They've seen like the music box turning by itself. Um, nobody knows who she actually is. Like people say either she was like put in by her parents. And never picked up again, or that someone was committed there gave birth and like gave birth. Oh. So they're mm-hmm. not really sure exactly who she is. Um, but she she died at nine of pneumonia. Um, mm. The most yucky one is like so that's all kind of like ghosts of obviously people have died there. But there's apparently like this black mass, a black thing that creeps along the floor, um, and people have seen that a lot. Like it's like a black spirit. Do you think maybe that's surrounded. something that's manifested throughout, like that feeds off all yeah. of the the torment and sadness yeah. and negative mm-hmm. energy, and it's just formed this black mass of awfulness? 
thing, yeah, because nobody can tell what it is. It's just this thing that looks like it's creeping around the floor and that sounds horrible. And again, people pick, constantly picking up noises and like noises of like the, the pipes banging and stuff. Um, so yeah, so yeah, you can go in for either like a two hour tour, or a four hour tour or an overnight stay. What would you do, oh. yes? Would you do the overnight I, stay? I think I'd just take a couple of hours and get out there. See, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be Charlie Biggs, but instead of what you do an overnight stay but I probably wouldn't last very long yeah I'd do the four hours but I wouldn't do an overnight stay I would be fine doing an overnight stay somewhere with like pleasant ghosts but that sounds like it would be horrific yeah this is like people that suffer see my opinion is what's the worst they can do to you what if they try to react what happened to them onto you they don't have any physical form so they can't touch you they can chuck things around throw things and move things I've heard tales of like people being scratched and yeah, affected. Exactly. Uh-huh. Mm. So they could probably still do it. You don't know what that black thing is going to do as well. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't you just back me <laughs> up and stay with me overnight? Come no, on. you're on your own. <laughs> I'll leave my phone on. I'll leave my phone on if you need me. But yeah. No. Yeah, and then my battery will drain. <laughs> just at the point when I'm trying to call you. Oh my God. Yeah. No. I just, I think that's one of those places that when you walk in, you probably feel that there's something evil there. Yeah. I don't think I'd need more than two hours to be out there. And it's massive. But you went to Carstairs. Was it Carstairs or is it a different asylum you went into? But it was during the day, though, and it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, it was was just some rooms when you walked in them, you just felt that there was something bad there. Mm -hmm. It's just awful. I really want to go to Carstairs now. Yeah, and I wouldn't stay overnight there. Hundred percent would not. <laughs> so, because yeah. I seen it, David drove me um, nearby it. It's near Cumbernaldway, and mm. or no, is it? Is it? Is it more like Uddingston that way? I don't know. In that area, I don't think any listeners who they probably don't know what the fuck we're talking about anyway. But it's somewhere in, in near nearby where I live in Scotland. And it was at night and it was quite a, a foggy night. So when you see the two towers, the Carstairs Asylum, it's quite, quite creepy looking because it was built like in the late 19th century. And again, why did he make these places look so creepy? Yeah, <laughs> look they, like, like Arkham Asylum. <laughs> it's supposed to be a relaxing place where you have to recover, not look like some sort of gothic nightmare. Oh, it's just horrible. Yeah, like, and there doesn't seem to be anyone that regulates this or stops these things happening. Or, mm. um, yeah. just it wasn't this one that I went to. The one that I went to looked like a proper old-fashioned kind of... There's a few of them, I think, but, yeah. yeah, I'd like to try and go. Like, we couldn't even figure out how you would get near it because it is quite desolate. Like, I'm still talking about Garcia's here because there's loads of, like, wetlands around it. So if you can imagine someone trying to escape, they they wouldn't probably get very far. They'd probably drown because there's like seven or seven locks around the area as well. Mm-hmm. And there was a murder that took place recently around one of those seven locks near mm-hmm. Easter House Way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's probably another podcast we can talk about, <laughs> Mark. Yeah, so we move on to to something jollier. Yay! <laughs> uh, so I'm looking at sheep squatch. Uh, oh yeah, sheep squatch. What was it you said, Jess, about that? Sounds like yeah. a Ned. It does. I think it's saying that in a bammy like, like yeah, a bammy accent. Sheep squatch. Yeah, I'll join that my pal sheep squatch sat over that? there, the nine foot tall lassie. <laughs> join that my pal. I've not heard that for you too. 
I never understood what nip meant. I thought okay. literally that you nipped someone like with your fingers. I thought that for a long time as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> you go like, over and nip someone. Pill. Everyone's oh, always like, do you want to poke my pal? I'm like, that's disgusting. But I don't know what nipping means. No I think it's just the I same thing, but nipping it, is a weird way to put it. Nipping just means get off with you. Oh, does oh, it? Is it? Yeah. Um, like, totally. like, I remember there was a guy that said, you want to nip me? And I went, eh, no, well, you're all right. You're all right. Not I, I, did, shame, I, did, I did, right. had no idea what it meant, so I just thought best to say no. <laughs> Should have said yes just to see what it was. <laughs> no, because it could have been horrendous. <laughs> but then we wouldn't be like in our mid-30s not knowing what it is. <laughs> Well, I know what it is now. <laughs> I've done worse. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know why I like dirty laughter, like, oh, Leslie's done worse things than get right. a random guy outside coma. <laughs> right, so tell us about a sheep squatch then. So, <laughs> stories of sheep squatch go right back, like way, way, way back in uh, American history, back to the Cherokee people. But okay. the name sheep squatch was given to her you know, like to gender my cryptids, was given to her by um, people in the 1990s. She wasn't called that prior to 1990. Which is she, a classic Nadira, to be fair. True. <laughs> she was out there listening to all the tunes and drinking Bucky and people were like... Wearing Burberry scarf. And she loved it. She went with it. She's, she's kept that name ever since. Um, <laughs> all of the sightings of her are in and around Boone County, which is in West Virginia, which is why I'm talking about her. So here's a description of her. She walks on her back legs. She's roughly the size of an adult bear. She's covered in white wool, a bit like one of those pulley dogs. I don't know what a pulley pulley dog is. Google Google pulley dog. All right, all right, all right. Um, It still sounds like a Ned, though, like a girl Ned. I mean, she's, pulley Chunky dogs kind Julia. of have that girl Ned hair that they had in the 90s. Yeah, uh-huh. oh, the, with the braids. Yep, the white braids. Council estate facelift. She has a face a bit like a pit bull. This just continues to sound like I'm describing a Neddy girl. <laughs> she has a face a bit like a pit bull, and this bit is slightly oh, different from Neddy girls. It's so cute. It's one of those yeah. dogs that look like a mop. Yeah. Uh-huh. They just got dreads. <laughs> But yeah, that could be a girl, Ned. Oh, definitely, definitely, Neddy girl. Mm-hmm. So, the description that's less like I'm <laughs> meanly describing a Neddy girl, she has two huge ram horns on either side of her head. That's her chunky them. gold jewellery. Exactly. Everything's <laughs> okay, fair point. We're just ruining uh, this for you, Mark. <laughs> she's got cloven hooves on her back legs and huge raccoon-like paws on her forelimbs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She, she's an all-round cutie. So there's been quite a lot of sightings of her, but I'm going to give you a couple of them that I thought were quite interesting. So all right. One of the most well-known sightings is that a sailor on leave was home in West Virginia and reported seeing sheep squatch making her way <laughs> through the forest in Boone County. Mm-hmm. He said that she stopped to take a drink in the creek. And then didn't notice him. She was a bit too far away. And she continued on down down the um, hillside towards the outskirts of the town of Boone County. And then shortly after that, two children 
who were playing in their yard on the outskirts of Boone County reported seeing sheep squatch coming out of the woods. But they said that as they called over to her, she was startled by them and she made a noise (laughs) (laughs) and ran back into the woods. Right, so she's not, she doesn't sound dangerous. No, I feel like she's quite chill. Not going to pull a knife out on you or anything. Right. I think she was like, we Dezos told me I have to stop talking to other lads. I've told if I look so much as look at him, I'll get him pregnant. <laughs> Which is where baby sheep squatch come from. Yeah. <laughs> 1995, a couple spotted sheep squatch while driving. Now, this is apparently a story for being violent, but actually they're wankers. So they pulled up <laughs> next to her because they wanted to take a better look. They pulled up the car so that they were blocking her in, so oh, that she was no. basically trapped between a ditch and a dead end. Wanks. They then got out of the car to look at her, and she attacked them quite fairly because they trapped her in. Yeah. But she didn't even hurt them. She leapt over them onto the car, so she damaged the car, but then she climbed down over the ditch <laughs> and fled into the woods. So really, that was their fault. Mm. And that is her defence in court, and I will stand by her. In 1999... <laughs> There was a group of campers who reported that they heard a screaming, shrieking noise and sheep squatch then ran out of the woods and they all immediately fled. Is it just the one sheep squatch that just cuts about? Because I, I thought sheep hung about in herds. I mean, there might be more than one sheep squatch. They're fairly dense oh, woods. But I then, just keep thinking it's the same one. And... Sorry, the cat's decided to start scratching everything because I'm talking to you guys at length. He's like, I'll just scratch now, now that you can't mute. In uh, 2015, so I think this clears her name from 1999, so there was a group of campers that saw, uh, sorry, I love this story, I'm laughing already, that reported that they saw an, this is a quote, agitated-looking sheep squatch gesturing, (laughs) gesturing to them from across the river that they were camping on the side of. They said they didn't know what to do, they ignored her, she eventually, Aww. this is a quote again, waded across the river towards them. The campers then heard a blood curdling, sorry, a blood curdling screech from the dense woods behind Sheep Squatch, so not from Sheep Squatch. Mm-hmm. And Did at this point, changed? they began to pack up their stuff and flee because of the terrifying noise. But they said Sheep Squatch also fled in the other direction, so they believe that she was trying to warn them that another more dangerous cryptid was coming, which would mean the 1999 attack, because they didn't actually hear her screech. They just heard her screech, and then she ran towards them. She was actually trying to get them. It could have been Bigfoot. Hmm. There's quite a lot. She she doesn't look very Bigfoot. She's got big horns. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, sorry to totally interrupt your story, but I've just linked my one and your one to each other. Okay. Um, so there's a computer game, Fallout 76, where it's basically running around shooting stuff. Yeah. But some of it is set in the insane asylum that I was talking oh. about. And Sheep Squatch is one of the baddies that you kill in it. It's one of the creatures that you oh, kill. Oh, no. That's unrealistic because she's sound, but... No. So, yeah, the picture of Sheep Squatch in Fallout 76 is quite gruesome. I bet it's exactly what you described. It's just like a non-cute version. What Wait, I'm just ugly. looking for, this is hilarious, looking for the gallery on Google um, of images of uh-huh. Sheep Squatch. There's a novel someone's written 
called Sheep Squatch, uh, a vapid, a vapid vixen's horror romance by. <laughs> God. <laughs> said it's bad. <laughs> oh, I read that. It's not oh. bad. Sheep Squatch deserves love. She's great. Wait, I don't think this is a real book because the author's called Ironic. Ironic. <laughs> I think it is a real book. Okay. So there's two possible explanations for Sheep Squatch. Okay. Mm-hmm. So number one comes from the fact that whenever people encounter her, they report that she smells sulfurous. And oh, one nice. of the animals that is known to smell sulfurous and that, that actually exists that is not a cryptid that we know for a fact is real are weasels. So some cryptozoologists have suggested that maybe she is to the weasel what pandas are to red pandas or raccoons. Right, so she's okay. basically, yeah, like the missing link between ancient massive prehistoric mammals and modern day weasels. Mm. I do like a weasel. Yeah, they're cute animals, just like sheep squatch. And then explanation two is that, which links into the Mothman, Leslie, uh-huh. who I know you're obsessed with. I like them. Like, yeah, I do Mothman, love the Mothman. Mothman. So people have suggested that she may be from the TNT area of Point Pleasant, which where is where people also speculate that Mothman may have come from, because mm-hmm. this area is a World War Two era area, and it contains so it, several <laughs> abandoned labs. So is this like a, a kind of kaiju situation, except it's cryptids that are like all pals? Yeah, basically. And they all cut about together, saving people, saving the people of West Virginia from terrible um, prophecies. So there are like giant dogs as well that are reported oh a lot in the forests of West Virginia. <laughs> and that's like, that is the idea. People think that like moth a and... herd of sheep, some moths, <laughs> some wild dogs all got into these abandoned labs. And whatever was going on there, it's like mutated them into these gigantic, super intelligent versions of themselves. I love it. I really love West Virginia. It's such a fucking weird place. I know. I'm really glad we covered it. Like, this has been such an interesting episode. Jane, it's been quite fascinating. <laughs> so, uh, would super you. Super funny, super pals. Yeah. Yeah. They should okay. have met. It's, it's a shame that they weren't made earlier. The super funny super pals, because then mm. they could have freed all the innocent people from the asylum. Yeah, and then... led by the ghost from your story, Leslie. Hello, is that? She's the Charlie to their angels. I like to think, no, that the the woman's like the ghost's mum's part of it as well. So she goes around and she's like the Bosley because they yeah. never see Charlie. Yes, the ghost daughter just follows her about. Instead of hello, my angels, it's like she spins around the chair and is like, hello, my cryptids. My dad has <laughs> got a message for you. It's better Not than the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> 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 we need to put West Virginia back on the map. I know. There was quite a lot of things. Yeah, there was so mm. much to talk about. I feel like we could do West Virginia again. Oh, well done, West Virginia. After starting off being unsure if we even like you or not, I've decided I love you. Yeah. Well, come visit. Is Sheep Squatch a good thing then, do you think? Yes. Because why is it that, like Yaz said, it's a baddie in that game and that all the images look like they're hideous, sort of scary monsters? I thought Sheep Squatch would be, well, I suppose Neds are quite, can be quite scary, but 
they've I got a heart they... of gold, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> the so ones that reported are being scary, I don't believe them, so I'm only listening to the stories, right. which is nice. Yeah. Plus, it could just be horrible soldiers, like, just try killing the moves. Yeah. And they're just trying yeah, to kill it, people yeah. they've never spoke to it before. So uh, we know something about Americans is that they're they're gun happy. Yeah. Sheep squatch are people too. It could have came from the same asylum. I will. Well, just like a fact experiment from the same asylum. Maybe. <laughs> so they're doing crazy scientific scientific well not mm-hmm. even that, like experiments in the insane asylum. Did that not happen in American Horror Story or have I gone nuts? It did, yeah. Were they not like attaching alien bits or alien DNA or something? Alien stuff? Yeah. Well, was he not a former Nazi or something? He was, or yeah. Or am I going nuts? Yeah. No, no, you're right. Was he the guy who... It was connected to circus in a way. Was he not the guy that cut off Elsa's legs? Yeah, he made like a weird snuff porn... Nazi snuff yeah. form where he removed Elsa's legs, yeah. Ah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, what, what <laughs> will we look at next week? I don't know. Whose turn is it to pick a number? Yeah, I'll go. Because it was you that did it last time, Mark. It was. Mark, okay, yeah, yes. pick a number between 1 and 19. Oh, close. Uh, 12. Uh, 12 is... Weird weather slash weird landscapes. Oh, okay. That's weird. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it is weird. Oh, it just makes me think of that film, Don't Look Up, maybe. Oh, I've not watched that yet. No, I've not watched it yet either. I actually quite liked it, to be fair. Should Jazz and I watch that before next week's episode? (laughs) Yeah, I would recommend you to watch it because it's quite funny. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much, people of West Virginia. Stay weird. Stay wonderful. Stay mountain mammoths. Yeah, and one day maybe I can go and visit and perhaps come across the sheep squatch or I keep saying squatch, it's squatch. (laughs) Sasquatch. But is it Sasquatch? It's not Sasquatch, is it? Is it Sasquatch? No, it's Sasquatch. Sheep squatch. We say he's a squatch of that. The swatch? Yeah, I don't think that's where Sasquatch's name came from. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but what does squatch actually mean then? I thought it was a Scottish word that meant, yeah, can I have a squatch of your juice? Scottish word that means, like, give me a go, but squatch is not the same as. Yeah, definitely squatch. Right, well, the homework for you, Mark, find out what the word squatch actually means and tell us next week. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait, fellas, it's time to go now. It's time to go to bed. Good night. Good night, Jelly Tubby. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Crystal. Mess.